And welcome in to the Empire Dynasty League podcast. We are episode 16, Tuesday the 13th of September, and your host Ben joined by Hod. How you doing, man? Very well, Benny. We have a week under wraps already, done and dusted. Week. Got a bit to get through. Um, Keeney, how are you, mate? Ah, uh, speaking of week. <laughs> Now he's, uh, as we pointed out last week, the bloke is on call any any day now, any minute. The clock is ticking. No baby class yet, but uh, we we checked in to see how he's going, and uh, I think the anticipation is it could be any day now. So exciting news for uh, him and Krista there. So time will tell. We uh, there might be a name change after last weekend's game. I think uh, baby class got a bath. Did. I don't know if that's possible without being born yet, but <laughs> the Berry Man got him, I think. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be know. naming it after any uh, Melbourne players after that effort last week. That was uh, not impressive and I guess just a worrying thing for the league because now Camo and Keeney have their full attention on on NFL now that the Ds are out of the finals there. But uh, let's, as you said, week one in the bag, so plenty of news to get to. Let's kick it off there. Every newsman in this city is laughing at us, and I don't like it. So just the uh, two of us this week, Hod, what do you reckon? If if we outperform uh, ourselves this week, do we just not bother getting Keeney back on after this? Have we been yeah, carrying him this whole time? Well, we'll see. Time will tell, but uh, we he was keen to get a third person on. Uh, don't know if he has much faith in us to run this little ship without him, but... I uh, I beg to differ. I think it'll be a good little sesh. It's uh, it's going to be a fantastic ship, and that's because of our friendship. That's uh, well, that's the kind of quality <laughs> we're going to well, bring. Uh, you you say friends. You describe this as we'll just rub a session out. And uh, <laughs> when I heard when I read that, I did chuck on the bathrobe. <laughs> but I uh, sobered up quickly, and now I'm. Well dressed for the occasion, but as it is a podcast, people can't see what we're wearing. So let's get on with it. That's true. Uh, the other blokes wanted to show their rings to the listeners last time, and uh, you wouldn't want to see these ones. I'll tell you that. Jesus. So eliminator pool, we uh, we kicked it off, and we've we've started with absolute gold here. We, um, two eliminations, Hod. Two, two. I um. Yeah, and one of them, you're talking right at him. Oh, I thought I'd goodness. go out. I thought I'd go out with a bang and get one of the shit kickers out of the way early in Scoot, and lo and behold, the top scorer is who I've lost to. <laughs> hey, uh, this is this is starting to bring back some memories. Who did you pick week one last year? Do you remember? Oh, no idea. Wasn't no, it Scoot? Wasn't Scoot like the bloke who eliminated almost half the league last year because everyone kept picking him and he yes, struggled? Yes, did. I don't think I did was you go out, out week the first one? week though. But you're right. He de- he got me later in the year. I think, yeah, there was, he got a lot of scalps pretty early on, I think. And I reckon Keeney might have gone out early last year. He was trying to do what you did and play the long game and look forecast way too far ahead and just, uh, yeah, got done in week one. 
That was very punny of you, Ben, using scalp with Scoot. Wee. But uh, the other one is uh, Jim's gone out with yeah, Jake against you. How do you? What have you got? A few words to say to Jim on that one? Yeah, I've just got this to say. What an idiot! Oh, what a loser! Ah, <laughs> Jim, you fucking idiot! Picking Jake week one. What were you thinking? My goodness, oh, I couldn't believe it when I saw that selection there. So there you go. There you have it. Two eliminations. Only. Uh, 10 left for those playing at home, if you can do the maths there. So, exciting times for everyone except you and Jim there, Hod. Ah, well, whatever. It's not uh, It's not the first thing I'll lose this year. It might be a long season. But uh, speaking of long seasons, shall we get through some injuries? It just made it a bit longer for some of these guys. Yeah, well, why don't you talk to the first one? Because I feel like uh, it's uh, something that's going to affect you a fair bit. Well... Actually, the first two affect me. Summertime are good, summertime are shit. <laughs> but Dak is uh, the notable one here. He's broken his thumb. I uh, didn't see this exactly when it happened, but I did see the highlights, and there was one of those classics where he threw it and there was some helmets in mm. pretty quickly. I, I have a feeling that was how he did it. But six to eight weeks, he's had surgery today already, so not an ideal start. This offense had some questions going into this week with um, who's going to pick up the slack for Amari Cooper, uh, an aging Zeke, and is there some turmoil in that running back room? But most notably, this offensive line, I think, is uh, going to make it quite a long year. So, yep. yeah, it's a, it's a big one for sure. It doesn't really bother me too much in the grand scheme of my season but um what's well, that if, if anything it's actually kind of worked out all right for you considering the deshaun watson news yeah it's well so we'll, you're we'll two, get to it a, your two best assets have kind of you know they're put on ice for almost half the season it's not bad yeah in very different ways but <laughs> um the second one elijah mitchell this is probably a better um Better one for my squad with Jeff Wilson obviously stepping up. But uh, this guy just can't catch a trick here. He's He's got some talent. I think it was, I saw 963 yards in 11 games last year, set the record for a San Fran rookie, and um, but had some little niggles later in the year, multiple uh, different injuries. And now again, he's got an MCL sprain looking at six to eight weeks on the sidelines. Mm. Everyone talks about Kyle Shanahan's uh, ability to make any running back good and solid in his offense, but clearly he likes to also pick running backs that are made of glass because if it's not Mitchell getting injured, it was Raheem Mostert for many years in that offense and just felt like their best option was always had a questionable tag next to him every week. Well, I actually heard an interesting chat about this a few weeks ago and these running backs that he's choosing are notably quick they're more elusive quick backs and I just wonder if he goes away from this and gets more of a bruiser type to buck the trend of these injuries that keep happening to his running back room Mm. Um, speaking of quick not so quick no so the third the third notable one is Chris Godwin um obviously one of the stars in fantasy and for the Bucks, And he got back fairly quick from this knee, yeah. uh, significant knee injury. And we often see this is it's the secondary 
or byproduct injuries that come from these serious ones, and he's tweaked a hammy. They'll probably uh, nurse this one through for a few weeks, and obviously having Julio probably won't rush him back as quickly as if they were having um, some rookies out there with Brady to throw to. So um, not ideal for Keeney with this one, but uh, as we'll get to a bit later, I don't think he's struggling to find anyone to take Godwin's spot. No. That's uh, where his depth will and truly come in handy. I just remembered one that Keenan Allen also tweaked a hammy and was out of the game. That's one where they're saying he could potentially miss a week or two with that. So uh, Jim, on the other hand, can't is, is he still on Jim's roster? Keenan Allen, I probably should check that before I make the bold claim. He was at one point. No, he's on Camo's roster, of course, because he's a charger. Um, either way, Camo would want a uh, full selection of players there to be competing. But uh, I like that you pointed out the trade whispers after the first week of injuries and with Dak going down with a broken thumb, just a bit of Jimmy G talk. And I feel like this is going to happen all year long for any sort of competing team. I reckon Jake was the one who mentioned it a few weeks back that this is just going to happen. They're going to keep him on the roster. He will uh, garner any sort of interest from the media for any team that has a QB injury or QB missing. So eight weeks, it surely makes the Cowboys just at least pause and think about it because is Cooper Rush really going to put you in a position to win? No, well, I think they've already come out today and said they will explore options. Um, just a massive vote of confidence for Cooper. Yeah. But the um, Jimmy G is obviously pretty uh, well-known name in the NFL world and marrying up with Dallas, obviously America's team. It's It has it has a nice ring to it, I think, but are Dallas really where they thought they'd be? Um, I, think, I think it makes sense for them if they really think they're a chance for the division, but I don't know. They, they, even with Dak, they, they looked look ordinary right. on both sides of the field. Uh, so it will be interesting, though, as you say. It'll be a weekly topic until he gets signed somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of trades, we had a couple go down since our last pod, and you wouldn't believe it, but Cabo involved in both of these trades. I mean, it's it's hard to believe for everyone listening out there, but uh, Cabo with a pretty substantial trade that went down not long after our last pod, and that was Cabo picking up James Robinson uh, and trading with Matty Mack for a 2023 second, which is the DFF's 2023 second. So it's going to be pretty uh, high up in that second round. So how's the vote of confidence there for your DFF? Your bum buddy just picking up your pick there because clearly it's going to be a good one. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Hod? I didn't like it for Camo initially, I must admit, I, for two reasons. Obviously, Robinson coming off a significant injury, I thought a high second pick, as you alluded to, was yep. a bit rich. But uh, And then the second part of it was it also gets Matt out of the bind of having Etienne and Robinson uh, both on his roster. So I think Matt's done well there. But then, of course, Robinson comes out and looks fantastic and was significantly involved in that offense in both the run and the pass. So uh, who knows? Camo has a way with these things, so we'll wait and see. He sure does. Fun fact for you, though. Travis Etienne still sitting on Matty Mack's taxi squad. What do you think about that? Interesting. Well, as we'll get to a bit later, I really have no idea about Matt's roster. Uh, it can go so many different directions, so I'm not going to begin to try and 
answer as to why he's on there. But what about mm. the second trade, Benny? Second trade, not as uh, sexy, but an interesting one. Adam Troutman, Camo picking him up and trading with Papa for a 2025 third. Um, yeah, just a bit of insurance play, I think, for Camo at the tight end position by the looks of things. Yeah, it's not one of Camo's strong points, I don't believe, for memory. So just shoring up there with, um, I don't know, an upside play, I suppose. But it's got TJ Hawkinson, a... Noah Fan, yeah. Donald Parham, Gerald Everett looked good. So, yeah, just yep. sort of shoring that position up a little bit. Yeah, it's just a nice upside play for not a whole lot, I think. And But what I'm seeing, the trend here, is Camo's have a look, having a look at Jim's just do everything he can to get rid of his draft picks, and I think he's following suit. I don't, I don't know how many more draft picks Camo has. Oh, I can tell you right now as I have a flick here. He has three total draft picks, ladies and gentlemen. He has a 2024 fourth, a 24 fourth, and a 25 fourth. So he really is following the Gym City model right there, isn't he? Mm. Just collecting Absolutely. those fourths. That is... Uh, but he's also the bloke who we would not be shocked if in... You know, five weeks' time, he's got 15 draft picks up his sleeve as well. Like, he will change his mind at the drop of a hat because the bloke just loves to trade. Uh, but let's get into our reviews. Let's move forward amicably. First of all, you're throwing too many big words at me. Okay, now, because I don't understand them, I'm going to take them as disrespect. Watch your mouth. All right, so let's... Just have a quick recap here. We had the Park City Lions defeating the OJ's legal team, the Straight Cash Homies defeating the Punishers. We had the Stallions defeating the DFF in a fiery battle of words there. Uh, the Demons beating the Humdingers, the Grouse beating the Worldwide in the end, and the Haircuts just given the snip to the Executioners. So uh, some expected results there. Pretty much, I reckon, just having a quick look here, that was everyone's prediction the majority of predictions in the league went the way of the results there. So the league has started off on point in their predictions. Yes, absolutely. We have. And with that trend, I don't know how two people got eliminated, but obviously daredevils they were just going out on a limb. But the uh, the first game we'll kick it off here is your little battle with the legal team, which was quite a juicy match in the end. So, the Park City, 143.32, have knocked off the legal team, 133.88. And it's it's not too different, other than you both underperformed a little bit on the projection, both by about 10 points, but the margin's pretty similar. It was a close battle. Um, both teams have a lot to offer this season. Um, but I'll throw to you, Benny. Was there a... Was there a few words leading into this matchup? Do you do you have anything to say before I go through a few things? Oh, look, you know, I'm in a position where when you get the win in week one, you can just be the bigger person and just let the uh, the record do the talking. But how's uh, how's that bench working for you now, Jake? Got a lot of points there, and they clearly served you quite well. So enjoy your your bench depth. It's going to work out well for you all season long, and I know that I'm just playing into your hand right now because it is week one and that was your exact point, but I didn't give a fuck because I beat your mates, they suck shit. It's funny that the legal team who, you know, they they really respect uh, what the DFF has to say, and I'm pretty sure the DFF ran with this uh, for, a while, uh, for a while at the start of this league. Uh, he was very up and about on the depth of rosters and how 
points go on the bench and that's all good and well. But I, last time I checked, I don't think they do help you on a week-to-week basis. So there we go, throwing some shade back at the legal team. But it's it's we will start with the Park City Lions here and uh, it's a pretty delicious floor of 50 points that you're going to start with most weeks with Mahomes and Lamar. They both looked awesome. Mahomes, he's got a little bit of that. I know Rogers didn't have a good one, but he's known for this. It's just that it's got a bit of that fuck you year. Mm. You know, he's he's moved down in the consensus ratings below your Herberts, um, and he's still, in my eyes, the number one quarterback in the NFL. And I think he might just be have one of those seasons where he's lost Tyreek Hill and it's back onto him and he's going to do just fine. Hope um, so. Hope so. Now, Amari Cooper is got to be a concern for you until Deshaun gets back. That offense with uh, the brisket, who we'll get to a little bit later, um, looks lackluster mm-hmm. and they're just going to run. That's the only thing. They've got a, the best duo in the league probably with uh, Hunt and the Chubb. So I think, yeah, it's going to be hard for Cooper to really score and it'll be interesting to see how you play him in and out of your lineup. Now, um, what is the interesting one here, Benny, what I'll get your thoughts on is you've taken the points on a couple of really important running back battles or backfields in week one. Michael Carter has had a pretty nice day uh, over Brees Hall and also Khalil Herbert has outperformed Monty. And there was some rumblings there that he doesn't fit the new scheme. So how are you feeling about those two after week one? Uh, yeah, extremely happy. I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with the Michael Carter one because <clears throat> I think everyone kind of anticipated uh, after the draft in particular that he would almost get pretty much phased out of that offense. I was pretty hopeful and I think it did sort of return to this narrative that he would get heavy use still and he clearly is the receiving back. Although um, Brees Hall had... 10 targets, I think. So he, they just threw. Flacco threw it 59 times or something fucking stupid like that. So anyway, he looked he looked like a pretty useful part of their offense, which I was pretty happy with. And the Herbert one, uh, similar thing. I think um, Monty got a fair few carries from memory. He had 17 carries. So it's not like it was through lack of use. Herbert was just a bit more efficient and got the goal line touchdown. So nice to see that he uh, is being used equally and not sort of one or two carries on the day. So, yeah, the Herbert one I was probably happier with, to be honest. Nice. Yeah, I think Carter will be involved no matter what, but Herbert is the nice surprise there. Now, um, our auctioneer in our other league, Lockie, uh, had some nice stats thrown out there during our auction draft about (laughs) Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott, and I just thought I'd throw this one in there that Kirk Cousins is definitely better than Dak on this season now with uh, the injury, but... Um, he's he's a nice little play, uh, Kirk Cousins. I think that offense is obviously pretty stacked in the running back uh, group and obviously the wide receivers with arguably the best receiver in the league, it has to be said. so. Absolutely. The bit I loved about Lockie at that auction was it was like no sooner did the call come down on Cousins going for $32 or he had that stat ready to go. He reeled off a stat of why Cousins was better than Dak over a three-year period or some shit. It was fantastic. I, I think for memory, it was he's the same player, but they're often not considered yeah. anywhere near each other. Dak's a lot higher. Um, but anyway, uh, Mike Williams has to be a concern. Um, 
obviously week one is is prime for overreactions, but he was the off-season darling in the wide receiver uh, position. A lot had him jumping up to that wide receiver one and also Keenan Allen's out of contract next year, so it's a nice time to get Mike Williams. Yeah. But he had a shocking day. Uh, four targets, only two receptions for not a lot of yards. Ten yards. In th- yeah, in yeah. that offense, you would expect a lot more production. And on the so, back of Keenan Allen going out with a hamstring injury fairly early in that game, almost like the entire second half, he wasn't on the field. So that is... Uh, you know, I get a strong feeling that this will course correct. You know, when... When a, a high-profile wide receiver doesn't get have a good week and then they usually come out and bitch and squeal and, and then he'll get probably 14 targets or some bullshit like that next week. He will have a monster next yeah. week. I think they've got a nice matchup too and Keenan Allen out. I think uh, that will uh, come around very quickly for Jake. And what also came around very quickly is Saquon. He is back in a very big way. He is the complete offense there in New York. And he looked unreal. We are going to touch on him a lot more in the previews. So I will uh, throw to you for the next game, Benny. Papa's punishes up against the straight cash homies. Next game didn't have a lot to offer other than majority of the league backing the straight cash homies in the eliminator pool. It's probably the only reason why anyone would have been paying close attention to this one. But the punishes 83.82 against the homies 119.46. Not a lot to dive into here, really. I think Timos... He gets a win with uh, his best two players down, which was CMC and Kamara. So Kamara, I mean, New Orleans, it was a weird game. They they struggled all game. They came back really late, and it was through Michael Thomas mainly, which we'll touch on. But, yeah, he only had nine carries and four targets. That's got to be arguably one of his worst performances and stat lines going around. And then CMC, it's a serviceable 13, but uh, only 10 carries and four targets and catches there so yeah he would want a lot more if Timos wants to feature at the top end of this league uh Pittman looking every chance to be a wide receiver one uh I think he is building upon what he did last year but probably the biggest alarm bells uh well not the biggest alarm bells but a very strange one is Kadarius Tony seven snaps for the entire game Hod as you <clears throat> mentioned to me off air and uh and that was with Wondell Robinson going down I believe, in the second or third quarter. It was a strange one. I didn't realize it was that few snaps. I know he didn't get a lot of use, but that uh, that's a bit like a doghouse type situation, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, there's something going on there for sure. I mean, he's such a dynamic player. He comes on for two carries as a wide receiver for 23 yards, so does as much as he can with it. But yeah, seven snaps. He has definitely done something wrong. He is not practicing strong or something. Uh, it's it's Dable who's your coach now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he's um, and he's he's like the slot uh, wide receiver guru. So there is yeah. every reason for this guy to be off the charts this year. I think as one, yeah. I think Tony was going in as our wide receiver too. Is how they were looking to use him with Robinson in the slot or something like that. Was but then they were going to mix it up and have different looks and things like that. But yeah, seven snaps tells me that. And I think like our punt returner was getting majority of the snaps as that wide receiver too. So it was just a fucking weird one. Mm, I think you'll see a correction there at some point. But who knows? There might be more to this. Could we'll be like to... Ayuk starting last year. Remember, he was in the doghouse for the first half of the year and then had to work his way out. And that was a training or practice thing as well, I believe. Yeah, spot on. Spot on. Now, why don't we head to... 
the Sunny Weaver Jr. battle between the Stallions and the DFF. The Stallions have prevailed, as he said he would, very confidently. Uh, 117.72 against the DFF, a 94.94. Now, we will... Uh, We'll get to maybe a little bit more of the gambling side of this a bit later. But we'll start out with some concerns. And Cam Akers has to be one. Three carries for zero yards. Now, this this guy has been on the DFF's radar for a while as he's coming back. No one's ever come back from Achilles this quickly. Uh, he had huge wraps on him over all the offseason. And he comes out and stinks it up. Now, it's... It's not even like the Buffalo Bills have a world-beating defense. Like you can run on them. Mm. that they, they produce a lot of takeaways and sacks, blah, 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 but you can definitely produce against them. But it's just the minimal usage. So Daryl Henderson got the bulk of the work. Uh, and I know it could be just one of those days for the Rams, but definitely concerning only three touches um, for this one. But what was down definitely came up with the Clyde, the hey, Glide. Oh. He was uh, he was a nice little surprise here, and we have to ask the question: Is this the year three jump for him? He, uh, I've heard a bit of talk about him recently. He was really in the off season; people were still down on him, or they were really high on him. And this is the year uh, without Tyreek Hill. They've got a you know the the wide receivers in Kansas City are just so so. I would say still got uh, Kelsey, but where were these targets going to go? And a lot of people were piping up about Clyde and it's I don't I don't know if the targets were a huge volume but it's the two touchdowns so he's getting a look in at the goal line for receptions which is going to be a really nice uh, piece for the DFF moving forward if this can keep up in one of the best offenses if not the best offense in the league yeah his, uh, his stat line wasn't that impressive his score was but if you watch the game they he got to 20 points pretty bloody quickly. He had three targets, two touchdowns, uh, seven carries, but the game was pretty much out of reach. And then, as you pointed out, they put the rookie in, I think, once the game was uh, yeah. well and truly in control and they wanted to see reps and, and get reps into him. So, uh, very nice day for Clyde. Absolutely. Now, um, I'm still scratching my head at this trade for Brissett. Now, is this... It's not collusion, but... These two bum buddies, they've they've concocted this trade, and I just don't know what the DFF is doing. They, like, Brissett has failed time and time again in every team he's been at. This is an 11-week rental, and he's gone out and got this player. Like, I, I just don't know. There's, there's other options out there. Uh, Carson Wentz, anyone? Just the quarterback three on the week. Did, did he come knocking about that? No, did not. So uh, you you could argue that yeah if he doesn't want to pay then he gets a rental but he paid a third round pick for him for a bloke who scored ten. Well, you made the point before off air is you're almost better off playing just a skill position. Play a skill position or go after I don't know Flacco for a bloody twenty five fourth round pick would have got it done. Like you literally could have given me donuts or near enough to donuts and you would have had someone who had 59 attempts, who literally is going to be the replacement for as long as Wilson is out. So it works in your best interest. I don't know. I Look, for a bloke who doesn't trade, I suppose it makes sense that his fucking trade R is way off. 
And we've just thrown our two quarterbacks there as the, the bitter. <laughs> no, 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 no. None of that. Uh, just, a, just the two best options, I think. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of quarterbacks, Rogers uh, for Jim. It, it's obviously great to get the win. Uh, probably for as much talk that Jim was throwing around there, 117 is probably not the score he was after. But um, still got the win. But Rogers, Rogers is a real disappointment here. Yeah. It's it, we really don't know what we're going to get with him this year. I, I sort of felt like like the Mahomes thing. It, he's lost his weapons. He'll throw the team on his back and he'll just produce some unreal season. But this is not a great start for him. Do you know what his week one score last year was? No idea. One point three two. Zero point zero. <laughs> so. If if it's going to follow the same trend, he then backed that up with a 26, 18, 24, 19, 23, 24. Like, it was just stupid. They started so shit last year, and I don't know what the go is in Green Bay. It's almost like Rodgers does all the drugs in the offseason and then uh, forgets that he has to actually get into some form, and then week one wakes him up, and then he realizes that he's got to be good again. Um, you know, yeah, you know what he did do? He went and got a sensible haircut. Have you seen it? No, I didn't actually. Yeah, he's gone the the short back and sides Ooh. with the comb back. Uh, wore a little bandana off the plane. He he was looking slick, but it just didn't translate onto the field. The last one I'll say on uh, Jim is obviously uh, Hertz had an unreal game. That was a fun game to watch, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but what he wasn't hoping for was the Hertz to Brown stack. He wants the Brown, he wants the Smith stack, obviously, with Devontae there. And he put up a big zizzer. Mm. Zero catches from four targets. The one thing we will, can say on Hertz is he he produces amazingly for fantasy, but he still operated at 56% accuracy throwing the ball. And it is still his uh, the backbone. Well, what's going to hold him hold him back? I suppose is this passing accuracy. So, in order for Jim to reap the rewards with Smith, I think that's got to improve because I, I don't think the forty percent target share to Brown is going to um, keep up. No, no, no. We'll correct itself, but yeah, that's accuracy and real life quarterback play are always going to be the the doubts on Hertz, but. You know, he he started like that last year, I think, as well. He was producing really well in the fantasy, but real life, not that great. And then he kind of turned that around. So I think uh, he's he's going to bring in more of those weapons as the season goes. But Sanders looked like a good option for him too. So that's going to help that offense out. Um, the defense, though, would want to pick it up. They fucking let Detroit back into that game, which was well and truly done, which was bizarre. We'll move on to your game, Hod, which was the Humdingers and the Demons. 84 to 130, uh, second lower score just marginally there for you. And we pointed out, obviously, Dak getting hurt didn't help with that. He scored a four. Uh, Tolbert, just the healthy scratch last minute. How'd you feel about that? Not good. Not good. Uh, obviously, a third-round pick. Did have uh, some real positive talk over the offseason, as everyone does. But he's really the... Uh, replacement for Amari Cooper. He's a he's an older rookie. I think he's 24 or 25. So you would expect the impact to be there and then to be a healthy scratch with no Gallup and no one really else other than CeeDee Lamb. I think that's a real concern and I was quite surprised. It was, it was really late in the piece. Like 
I didn't have any any other option in the end. But it's a, it's a real McCarthy kind of move, I reckon that one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, on the other side of it for the demons, there AJ Brown. Obviously, no one kind of knew what to expect. There was a bit of hope that that uh, he will be the QB, the sorry wide receiver one of that offense, but. Got it done in the end. What did he have? 13 targets, 10 catches, 155 yards. That is just a monster effort uh, for a bloke who's just joined this offseason. But um, speaking on the other side, it's almost like you wrote these notes, Hod. Carson Wentz, just the QB3 on the week. Sneaky offense in Washington there. And uh, Jahan Dotson looked like one of his favorite targets. Mm. How do you feel about that? Well, it's I've got some vested interest because I've got Gibson in the other league. but So I, I did watch this and it was a nice little game. Uh, but yeah, like Washington have a sneaky good offense, I think, with McLaurin, Dotson, and then Gibson. And it's a nice little running back room there, especially when Robinson comes back. Uh, I think it's a fairly decent offensive line for memory. So it might be a sneaky little play. And I know Scoot's got a couple of uh, assets there. Or that, those wide receivers I just talked about. So yeah, he got uh, in pretty late in the rookie draft. He did third round, I believe. Was it um, third or mid second or something? I, I felt like he slid really late. Yeah, I, I think he got to the third in the end. That's but, ridiculous um, if he did. Yeah, I don't know. Carson Wentz is uh, obviously thrown around in this league for the wrong reasons, but a QB three on week one, um, definitely take that. Absolutely. Uh, Melvin Gordon's just, you know, we spoke about Jim before, but he's just going to prove to be a pain in the ass for the Javonta Williams owners getting uh, more carries than him in the end. Williams had plenty of targets, so it looked like receiving is going to be his game, but just really caps the uh, the ceiling of Williams there. You feel like it can't really go on more than this season, um, but with Camo wanting to compete now, he really want Gordon to piss off in that offense. Uh, to give him a better chance. Jerry Judy, what was his stat line in the end? Uh, he had a long touchdown. He had seven targets, 102 yards, and a touchdown. It's a pretty nice outing from him. From I didn't see any of this game, but it did seem like Denver struggled, uh, especially early on. They really didn't get much going. Um, and, yeah, the real sensible haircuts. What do you mean by that, Hod? Uh, I just mean that I paid attention to... <laughs> Manny, when he came on to do uh-huh. his episode yeah. in, uh, you know, how he's going to sew up the number one pick with um, strategic bench play and minimizing scoring. And I think I've done that better than anyone now. And he's obviously top scored. So, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, out-mannied um, Manny. Is that what you're saying? Out-mannied Manny. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, move on to the next one. That was a bit, uh, this one was a bit more high scoring, a bit more. Uh, These are the games. Yeah. These are the games we want to talk about. Watch. It's it's yeah. a, an all too familiar face here we, when we talk about top scoring. But the Grouse, one fifty four point one, taking out the reigning champ, one twenty point eight. Now he just continues to do what the Grouse does. It's it's delicious scoring. It's going to be hard to beat um, with JT running rampant. Uh, I think the Colts. Having him, he's a super impressive player and obviously the line helps, but we're probably the only team that's down by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and can continue to run the ball and he gets 10 to 15 yards on every, I think it was five consecutive runs. And I texted Kenny at the time. I'm just like, wow, I don't know how we're doing this. (laughs) Um, 
running the ball when you're down by so much with 10 minutes to go in the game. But they got back um, with on the on the back of JT. He's just an impressive player. Now, I think the quarterbacks are the only thing that can hold Keeney back with his scoring. Um, it's such a solid squad, but it must be a weekly uh, headache for Keeney with selection because he's just got so many good options. It's it's going to do his head in. What Some weeks he's going to do it right, uh, like this one, and there's going to be some weeks where he plays good players that just don't score and he's going to have unreal bench scoring. So, well, it's, Yeah, it's highlighted in the fact that Eckler scores a nine, Stafford scores a seven, and he rips out 154 as his total. So just shows you that the rest of his squad just sort of did the heavy lifting there. But I'm with you, like outside of Stafford and, and Wilson, especially if Stafford's elbow, you know, there's a, it was sort of downplayed a fair bit in the offseason. But if it is going to cause a bit of issue and is going to slow the start to his season, he's got Baker who looked all right. He started slow, but looked all right in the end. And then Mac Jones had a back issue. You don't want to be fucking around with that. Yeah. Um. And we'll we'll move on to the prestige worldwide now. As I mentioned before, it's a very puzzling roster. I, I really don't know what to make of it. He's got some star wide receivers. His quarterback rooms as good as any, uh, with Joshy Tassels, and um, but the running back room is I, I I couldn't believe when I looked at it before he played Eno Benjamin actually pulled out a seven, um, but. Yeah, it's, it's just a puzzling roster. It's obviously, I think it's a middle-of-the-table roster with huge draft capital. It's going to be a weekly question. Does he pull the trigger at any stage uh, like Keeney did last year or do does he just hold out? He's got his ring and then he's just going to unload on the draft. So it'll be really interesting to see how he plays this one out. But what he did do was he gave us some great insight and detail into the fall from grace from CeeDee Lamb and he cashed in at the gr- mm. a great time. And who knows, maybe Thais needs to get on for the crystal ball because I know Dak's out now and it's going to really not give a clear indication as to um, whether that was the right call or not. But even with Dak, this offense was a little bit suspect and CeeDee Lamb had two catches for bugger all yards on 11 targets. So that's some issues if I've ever seen them. So well played to Matt for now. Uh, but obviously these these trades get judged over years, not um, one week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think, I mean, clearly after one week, what he was concerned about looks to be playing the part, um, but I'm with you. I think that the talent will eventually correct itself. How long that will be, I guess time will tell. Uh, let's move on to the haircuts, ripping out the high score of the week. Congratulations to... The uh, Johnny United sensible haircuts there. It's the first time ever, as Keeney pointed out today, first time ever that he has actually claimed any cash in this league. Um, so for a bloke who openly was talking about tanking and going for the number one pick, he fucking has no idea of how to do it when he rips out his highest score ever uh, and gets a cash high score round there. So... Yeah, and Bayside Execution is 108.72. Actually, a pretty respectable score from Scoot's list there. Um, I'm sure he he will have some weeks, I think, where he causes a headache to some people. Um, Keeney even pointed out that he thinks his roster is not that far off, maybe what Coot, Scoot, <laughs> Coot, Scoot himself thinks. Um, but yeah, 108 there. Some notable ups in that list. But yeah, top scorer for Manny. I think the irony uh, of the offseason... Claiming the number one pick, it's it's just all there, and he sews up the week one score. So 
who knows? It's probably going to be now that Manny turns around and and sells all of his assets just to prove a point that that he will get the number <laughs> one pick. I don't know. It's the type of bloke that he is. I wouldn't put it out there. Um, but yeah, he. You mentioned it before the whole uh, taxi squad um, strategy that that Manny went with when we had him on after the rookie draft. He said, you know, I can just stick these. The beauty is I can stick these blokes on the taxi squad, let them marinate for a couple of years, let my uh, draft pick capital just grow and grow and then fucking attack. Let me run you through his taxi squad. Bailey Zapp, Malik Willis, Christian Watson, Sky Moore, and Greg Dolchich. Uh, Of the wide receivers that he picked up, he's put arguably the weakest and the ones that would need time to mature the the longest on there and kept his strongest assets on the field. So do you reckon once again that Manny has just changed his strategy and, and he's still just figuring out what he wants to do? Yeah, uh, look, you know him better than I do, but it's, yeah, something's not adding up here. He He's obviously changed his tune. He's might have realized how much, um, how much better his squad was after the draft. And uh, I don't know if we'll get some grapevine back, but I'm hearing some chatter that he's making the calls to potentially uh, make this roster even better. So, yeah. I mean, you'd have to. He, he even said today, I'm, I'm starting to think that tanking and Jefferson might be mutually exclusive. I think that is <laughs> the, the most accurate comment he's made all uh, season and off-season, so it's bang on because if you watched any of that Green Bay-Minnesota game, the fucking guy is a freak. How you can have their number one target and their number one offensive player just have an absolute field in the secondary there. Like, it looked like Green Bay just didn't even realize he was out there. Did you see any of that, Gabe? Uh, I saw his touchdowns. His he two touchdowns, basically, was just walking by himself in the secondary. Well, yeah, but that's that's the thing. I don't I don't know if that's him or is that just Green Bay's defense falling asleep. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you're not wrong. He he had an open field both times on those touchdowns. But special special player, probably the number one asset in fantasy. Uh, yeah, he'd have to be outside just of quarterbacks. Take quarterbacks out. He'd have to be. Uh... Just a young fucking gun receiver. He will arguably be the number one uh, offensive player of the season. He's definitely on track for it. And everyone's even now starting to bring up MVP discussions and shit like that. So he's a freak. Um, Sneaky day for the Washington receivers, as you pointed out. Terry McLaurin, 58 yards, a touchdown. Jahan Dodson had a great day as well. But uh, yeah, just like you said a bit earlier, just a very sneaky offense that I think a lot of people don't ever stop and think about, and that's fair enough because it is Washington. Um, but, yeah, I, I think some very nice pieces there, and I guess we'll wait and see whether Scoot just holds on to McLaurin and lets him sort of mature on his list as he starts to build, or does he use him as a, a very sellable asset right now and continue to build some depth on his roster? And then probably the same for this other player that you pointed out hot in your notes, and that's AJ Dillon. Um, Another off-season darling for a lot of analysts and and returned that with a pretty healthy 17, I think it was. 10 carries, 45 yards, touchdown, had six targets, 46 yards. Receiving, that's uh, for a, a pretty shitty day for Green Bay. That's He was probably their star player. Absolutely. Now, 
as the great man who is not joining us likes to call them, the power ratings. That's the power of love. Power rankings, if you will. We don't even have to split it into thirds. Let's just cut this in half. Do you want the bottom or the top? Are you a bottom man or a top man, Hod? What's uh, <laughs> what's your pref? Well, maybe we'll have to change this up as we go. But uh, it was nice listening back last week. That, that is the best drop, I think, of all the songs on here. Unless it's the grapevine. The grapevine's a good one, but uh, I do love the power of love. I will start on the bottom, Ben. Yeah, you strike me as a bottom. <laughs> now the Pappas punishes. Uh, they take the twelfth spot. Take it. Keep the twelfth spot. <laughs> Just over. You sure um, you want to do the bottom? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe it's a quick change up today. <laughs> the uh, the Dingers. Speaking of bottom, uh, are in the eleventh spot. No change there to the bottom two. Now, this is where it gets juicy. The DFF slides with another sub-100 score to the 10th spot. I think, what did he start at? Eight? Eight. He's dropped two. Read the table, mate. It tells you how many spots he dropped. Yeah, no, I'm just, just, you know, going about my business. The Bayside Executioners have gone up from 10th spot to 9th. There's your plus one. And the Prestige Worldwide is a bit of a slide. Uh Remains to be seen where we got these rankings from, but uh, I was, we'll, we'll, it was well. There was a lot of formulas, a lot of analytics used, a lot of uh, algorithms. Algorithms. It's pretty much just based on scoring. But yeah, uh, right. yeah. what did uh, what did Maddie do to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, but, uh, uh, you've got nothing to go off in week one other than record and scoring, really. Yeah, true. Now, so he's dropped a few spots to number eight. I think him and Tim were. Five and six for memory. But, uh, and then to round out the bottom six is Jim City Stallions, who goes unchanged Mr. Seven. after a 117. Mr. Seven yeah. hasn't moved. Top six. Uh, this bloke dropped a couple of spots. The OJ's legal team from four to six uh, after getting defeated by just a far Go. superior outfit in week one. Uh, at the fifth spot was the Straight Cash Homies picking up a win against a weaker opponent. Uh, they drop one spot from six to five. The Demons dropping from three to four after their win against yourself. And the Lions dropping from two to three. So you can see a lot of dropping, which probably indicates that there's a fair bit of rising going on at the top here. Because the Grouse got knocked off from the number one spot, sitting at the number two, dropping from the number one perch last week. And the Johnny Unitas haircuts, ladies and gentlemen, has risen from ninth spot to first spot, which would have to be the largest rise in the power ratings going on in the history of power ratings. That is remarkable. Ninth to first. It's almost as if this is just completely made up and, and we did the order. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just picturing the Johnny Unitas going from bottom to top real quick. <laughs> That's a huge jump. Huge jump, but uh, maybe a bit of course correction. It probably is over the top that he's at the number one spot. But when you're high score in week one, you uh, you have every right to be the number one scorer, but uh, the the number one on the power ratings. But fuck, Keeney's not here, and I just said ratings. It's like he fucking left to the curse behind of saying the wrong thing. Power rankings, if you will. But uh, maybe this is the start of the haircut sitting in the top 
section of the power rankings for the rest of the season. I guess time will tell, but who cares about that? Let's get on to the previews. Oh, I said it with all due respect. That's not, that doesn't mean you get to say whatever you want to say to me. Sure, sure as heck does. No, no, it doesn't mean that. And we've kind of ordered the previews this week in the least watchable to the most watchable matchups. Uh, we've only got a one-week sample, but I feel like this one probably is the least watchable, and that would be the Grouse taking on the Punishers. Uh, one of the top teams against one of the top against the bottom, if you will, Hod. Uh, and if you happen to remember that this matchup held some significance last year, and that was it held the record for the largest margin ever in a game in EDL history, in the short history, 131 points, Hod. That was the margin between these two last year. That is fucking ridiculous. That margin is bigger than most weeks that I ever score, I think. Yeah, well, it would have. that margin would have outscored one, two, three, four... Five, six, seven teams in week one alone. So it would have outscored half the field. So uh, it could absolutely be done again. It's not like Pap has strengthened his list since last year and it's not like Keeney's has got any weaker. So uh, that's probably the most intriguing thing I'll be watching for this week is can he outdo the 131? I reckon he can. I'm, I'm going to back him in here. He's going uh, to have a newborn on the way. Uh, plenty of... Uh, Things to celebrate, and why not just top it off with a 132-point victory over Papa? Um, but to be honest, we, we know the man very well. Uh, he had a nice victory in week one. He's going to be absolutely filthy, I reckon, that he didn't get the top score in week one. Don't you reckon? He's just going to be fucking seething. I reckon you're right. I, I don't think he did anything wrong, and he's now number two. Mm. So, And that's that's just not going to sit well with, with the great man. Uh, yep. Well, it it won't deep down, but he will not ever lead lead us to think that he's very uh, he's very focused on you know the one week at a time, getting himself into the playoffs. That's where the money's made. So he won't let us know. He won't let us know. The only way that we might be able to get it out of him is to get Tim back on the pod and play the outro music, and then we might just ruffle the feathers a little bit and get him to uh, speak some home truths. <laughs> I've never seen him more fired up. That was fantastic. Uh, yeah, uh, look, I think more of the same from the Grouse and the Punishers uh, this year. And uh, I think Papa's going to be a bit too focused on his barley belly than worrying about this matchup. Well, there is some irony in this matchup because the Grouse is expecting the little baby class. <laughs> so we can say that Krista's belly is going to get smaller in the same week that Papa's belly has got a lot bigger. So... <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing how big Papa really got uh, over in Bali. But in the interest of time, Ben, we've been on here for two hours and we're recording for probably already one. So I'm going to keep these narratives pretty quick. Yep. And there's not going to be there's a, there is a trend here that we're we're ranking these games, and obviously Papa's 12 and I'm 11. So here we go. The Humdingers against Jim City Stallions. Another. Uh, barnstormer of a Sunny Weaver Junior Division. Hey, I'm going to jump here. in here, Hod. Sorry, I know you want to take this game, but you know, since you're the self-proclaimed best division in the universe or whatever the fuck you claim you are, why don't you make a head-to-head bet here with Jim on this game? If that's uh, what this division's all about, why wouldn't you go ahead and do that? No, this division isn't all about betting because 
Another member of this division just makes bets willy-nilly and never pays up on them or he finds some loophole that the bet never existed. Like, seriously, what, the DFF, it, it is, I'm not even involved in these bets because I'm not the gambling type, but fuck, it shits me reading back his bullshit on the chats about, oh, you didn't, you didn't confirm yes or no. He just runs his mouth with stupid bets and never pays them up. Scoot loses a bet, pays up, sends the wine to your door straight away. What do you get with the DFF? You, if you're lucky, you get it in a year's time. And then if you're lucky, it's not on the sale rack. And then the third thing, he probably denies it anyway, and you just go on to make more bets and never pay up on them. So anyway, <laughs> rant over. Um, so the Gym City Stallions looking to continue the winning streak to start the year. Uh, what do we got here? No DAC, no options. Uh, yeah, what do you mean no options? I've got Carson Wentz, the QB3. That's all I need. Now, I'm stacking my high-scoring players on the taxi squad here to help with my number one pick, the Manny Theory. So, uh, Robinson, Pierce, Burks, Pickens, um, Spiller didn't play week yes, one. Yes, but- I put this in here because you said before that you, uh, you're the real Manny in this offseason. That's your taxi squad. Robinson, one, Pierce, four, Burks, seven, Pickens, point eight, and Spiller didn't play. It's not really lighting the world on fire, is it? Well, it's not, but... Rookies take a while. Pierce did underperform, I thought. Burks, well, it's probably where he is. Pickens, definitely. And what I what I can say is they're my top picks. So my top picks are all on there, whether they're scoring or not. Yeah. Um, so over the course of the season, I think they will be scoring a lot more than my bench players. But for an all-in season, Jim will be asking his boys to lift from an average of 117 in week one. We mentioned that. He probably needs to get up into the 130 pluses on an average to be in that top position or top six in the league, I think. Absolutely. Next game is the San Diego Demons taking on the DFF, the man who doesn't pay up. Uh, Just another game at the low end of these games we ranked on. So for the best division, you feature as the second and third lowest games. What do you have to say about that? Oh, well, you're probably using that same algorithm you plucked out for the power ratings. So I'm not, not really concerned. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, uh, my biggest takeaways here is can Steph honestly have the confidence to start Akers or Komet or even Jacoby Brissett for that uh, matter? He's already he's already taken Akers out of the lineup. He's a man who, who reacts very early to this. So he's just straight out, but he's left in Komet. Uh, so it's and Brissett. So it seems like he's going to roll the dice with those two again. I just think plenty of selection headaches for the DFF to make here, and uh, it'll all be for nothing because his team sucks, and it's not going to get to the seven and a half win line that we predicted at the start of the season, and we'll have many more excuses as to why that is out of him. Um, but it's just simple that his team isn't good enough and he doesn't trade or make any moves to try and make it better. So, look, I think this is a formality for Camo. Um, I reckon for him, he'd like to see how Tua just show a bit more. I think the Dolphins actually look pretty good in week one against the Patriots. Um, but, yeah, Tua wasn't unbelievable. So I think he'd be hoping for a bit more. And I think he's going to be hoping that Cooper Rush just absolutely sets his target and his eyes to CeeDee Lamb and doesn't look away for the whole game. That's uh, my prediction of how it's going to go, and I reckon Kamo would absolutely love that. 
How many games uh, do we play in the season, the regular season? 14. So you would expect Camo to take care of business here. Mm-hmm. So that would mean that, what are we, 12 games to go. He, the he can afford six needs. losses to win that, that line bet, and he's already copped up one of them. So he'd be down to four up his sleeve, four potential losses for the rest of the season if he loses this one. Hang on, I thought I thought he said he's going ten wins. Well, if you go the off the year, ten so wins, even even less, you're right. He's yeah. got to go ten and two. Yep. If he doesn't win Jesus. this, yeah. All right. Or well, talk. anyway, let's get on to OJ's legal team versus the Bayside Executioners. Now, I think I think the narrative here is about the running backs, and we've got to start with the Barkley of old. He looked unreal. Thirty points on the week one. He's back in a big way. He's the star of the offense. They're going to feed him. And it's looking like an inspired pickup for Jake. We did talk about that trade earlier in the offseason. It seemed like a good one at the time. It seems like a better one, uh, an even better one now. Just so, highlights how much of a used car salesman Jake is. He he said it pretty clearly. He said, I don't give a fuck what your calculator says, mate. I'm taking on all the risk. If Barkley gets injured, you know, it's all on me. It's all going to be my first round pick. Bullshit. If Barkley got injured, you still would have had a tradable asset on your hands and it's worked absolutely the way that he predicted and he's come out just fucking on fire and looks like he hasn't lost a step, which, uh, yeah, he's absolutely taken Papa for a ride here. Mm. Um, and it's interesting because Papa has basically every other... New York Giant asset, except Barkley. Mm. But um, as predicted in the offseason, we'll continue the running back theme. Uh, the Dallas running back selection could be a headache uh, for Jake. He's got Zeke. He's got Pollard, yeah? Yeah. Obviously. So that's um, whether he rolls them both out or one plays one over the other uh, remains to be seen. So uh, the last one there, another running back battle, is Scoot will be looking for Monty to lift. We touched on it earlier. Khalil Herbert seems to be a factor for this offense. Let's see if they don't get a monsoon this week. Uh, that yeah. might help things. But um, other than that, the, there's not much to really see in this matchup, which makes it interesting why it's the third best game. Just highlights how the matchups are looking this week. We uh, we didn't get a chance to run the poll out, but I reckon they would have been pretty one-sided in the selections there. Uh, maybe we'll do it retrospectively and see what it comes out as. Next game's Prestige Worldwide taking on the straight cash homies. This is a battle of the brothers. The McMahons just going head-to-head. Um, yeah, everyone focusing on Manny's no RB strategy, but I reckon you pointed this out before. Matty Max uh, no RB strategy is what we should be focusing on because Matty's running back room looks like an absolute dream in comparison. I'll just quickly run you through the uh, the running backs. He's got... Henderson and Eno Benjamin, like you said, why the fuck is he starting Eno Benjamin? I'll tell you why he's starting Eno Benjamin, because he's got Jonathan Williams, Mike Boone, Justice Hill, I don't even know their first names, Travis Homer, Craig Reynolds, (laughs) I've got to literally click on the names because I don't know if it's Rico Dowdle, who's this bloke, Antonio Williams, Keeney... Nwangu. <laughs> Nwangu? No, I don't even know. And Chris Evans and fuck Snoop Connor. Uh, this is a great segment. Jalen Warren. W- what are those players? They are just absolute poo. The blokes 
got about 57 running backs on his roster and I know two of them. Are you reading the free agents or are you reading his roster? That's his roster. Right. His running back roster. He has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 running backs on his roster that will combine for eight points this week. Just there incredible. Uh, look, if these two teams played in week one, it would have gone down to the wire. Uh, so if their matchups are closely aligned, they weren't high scoring. I think it was a 120 and a 119. But uh, I think that's where probably their two lists are at right now. I think Tim Moss will want a bit more. And we alluded to CMC and Kamara needing to lift a bit more. But could be a very close lineup. Uh, but roller coaster scoring from the homies. I don't know if you saw his lineup. If it wasn't a... Uh, He'd have one player score a 20 and then the next bloke score about a five or six. So, yeah, just a bit all over the place in week one. Kamara, six. Claypool, seven. Got it, nine. Irv Smith, zero. Metcalf, five. But then he had Pittman, 22. Evans, 15. Kyler Murray somehow scored 20 in the end. Tannehill scored 19. So, just a bit up and down for him. I think he'd like a bit more consistency. And uh, I actually think I'm going to give this one to the homies. Actually, that's uh, my prediction here for this one. We didn't give predictions before, but... Uh, ah, well, we're not going to start no here, but what we will do is preview the game of the week, Benny, and it's your mob up against the sensible haircuts, the top-scoring team against the third-highest scorer from week one. This is a barnstormer. Michael Thomas, <laughs> back to his old self. Uh, he's, he Did he have two touchdowns? Two tutties. Two tutties. Uh, love two tutties. And Jefferson can't be that unguarded again. I don't know what Green Bay were doing. Matt came on and said they're going to be the number one defense this year and they looked lost. So you would expect uh, Jefferson to have a bit more attention than what he got in week one. But the quarterbacks were serviceable and uh, Sanders looked pretty solid. But speaking of quarterbacks, 54 points from yours, Benny, uh, has to be the, the Lions recipe to success this year. Uh, you, it's a pretty solid floor to start any weekend. Speaking of solid floors, you'd expect a bit more out of yours, the Henry Chubb. I said Henry. And that 43 carries between the two of them for 23 points. Now, if we go to the sensible haircuts, he's rolling out Sanders and McKinnon, combining for 17 carries for 239 Mm. So speaking about efficiency, that's an that's efficient. What... I mean, when you have a when you have a nice tight haircut, you can just be more aerodynamic and more efficient. I reckon that's what it's all about. That's right. Now speaking of tight haircuts, uh, Travis Kelsey, he's always bloody uh, rolling a nice do, mm. and he's rolling in some nice fantasy points as always. Can he go this year? Can he be the wide receiver one? Forget about tight ends. He may, in fact, be the wide receiver one. I think he got to wide receiver three a couple of seasons ago, ago. But yep. he is going to have a monster. And that is one of the better stacks in fantasy football that you have got yourself there. Mm. So uh, I, I remember a few years ago when I had the Mahomes first year and Tyreek Hill, it it was so fun. You could have a game that goes puts you 75 points on. Just yep. like that. And I think you're going to see that a bit with Kelsey and Mahomes this year. And then a nice juicy finish to the week. You're What's, going to have... I've got here the start and the finish. I think this will be an interesting... Make for an interesting matchup. 
Yeah, so Thielen versus Jefferson and Sanders on the Tuesday. So, yeah, let's uh, starting hope it for off. your sake. Sorry. Yeah, let's hope, hope for your sake, Benny, you're, you've got a bit of a buffer yeah. going into that one. Well, I get Mahomes and Kelsey on the Friday game, so it could potentially start really well for me and it could end extremely well for, for Manny there. So it I is going to be a long matchup to watch uh, for this one or... Or it could be a very quick one if Mahomes and Kelsey don't perform to expectations on that Friday night. But uh, we're going to bring a favourite segment back here, Hod. And no, it's not a Mayha, uh, a Maya, what's ideas man or anything like that. One that we haven't heard in a while. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. If there's anything that week one produces better. It is overreactions, and Hod, hit us with an overreaction for week one. Well, why don't we start? We've, we've touched on it in previous episode, a previous episode not too long ago, but uh, I can't remember the comparison it was. Uh, do you remember, Benny, what, what the comparison was? We were, a player was getting written off by um, not having a uh, good quarterback. You were talking about Amari Cooper... Been written off because Jacoby Brissett was thrown to him. Yes, so which looks to be the case. But I didn't like the consistency going to this player, and it is Kyle Pitts, and we're just – Keeney's not here to defend himself, so why not go with this one? Jeepers. <laughs> so why don't we say what, – what was his stat line? He, two, two tar- four targets, two catches, not a lot of yards. Something like that. It was so seven targets, two catches, 19 yards. Seven. So seven's a bit healthier, but two catches for 19 yards as one of the top tight ends in fantasy football. Now, to me, there's no surprise here. You've got Mariota, who's not great, and he's going to tuck it and run more often than not if he doesn't like his first and second read. Now, Pitts had a great year last year in a shit team because he had Matt Ryan. Now, Matt Ryan has produced wide receiver ones. He, I think he had Tony Gonzalez for a little bit there as well um, back in the day for tight ends. But point is he can produce fantasy receivers, whether it's the wide receiver or tight end. Mariota can't do that. And I've got uh, great fears for Pitts this year. Um, as long as Mariota is the quarterback here. And the overreaction would be that Pitts isn't a tight end one on the season. I think that's a bit of a stretch, but uh, it remains to be seen what this outlook is for one of the better tight ends. in def- Definitely number one in dynasty, number one tight end asset, but even in redraft, he's still top three um, for this coming season, and it's not a great start. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, look, I think the best part is of an overreaction is it's got to be a bold claim, and I think that that is one of the bolder claims going around. But Mariota had 20 completions, and for all we know, that could be one of his largest stat lines in terms of completions. The bloke's not known for his accuracy. He's known for his legs. Um, and, yeah, I just think that when you go from a highly accurate – well, not highly accurate quarterback, but a quarterback that relies on stepping up in the pocket and actually – picking blokes out, and then one that tucks the ball and, and runs when pressure gets in his face. I think that it could be a very frustrating year for Kyle Pitts, and 
one where any owner of Kyle Pitts will want to see nothing but high-level production could be a very frustrating season. Yeah, and, and I mean, the, there is there is a positive outlook. I think Atlanta are going to be one of the bottom teams. This upcoming draft is full of tremendous quarterback talent uh, that can obviously deliver a lot better than what we'd expect Mariota to. So it may be a frustrating year this year, but I think moving forward next year and beyond, they he might be in much better hands to produce, and he's still so young. Um but as you say, overreactions, we have them because it'll probably produce Pitts as the tight end one on the year. That's how these things work. But I just thought it was uh, worth noting for a segment. Well, there you have it. Keeney not around and we uh, take the opportunity upon ourselves to just try and pick off his players where he can't defend himself. So I think we've accomplished that one today. But uh Mate, week one in the books, exciting start to the season. Exciting just to have NFL back and uh, not keen enough to get up at 3 a.m. to watch it, maybe like I have been in previous years, but it's just nice to get up, watch a bit of Scott Hansen on Red Zone and just see the uh, the points tick over on Sleeper. It's it's good to be back in this situation. How are you feeling about the start to the season? I oh, It's always exciting getting into it and uh, you as well as me, uh, did not get up. I set the alarm and just thought, nah, I'll uh, I'll sleep in a little bit longer. I'm probably not as animated as I once was about NFL. It might be the age, who knows? But uh, what we will do is, I know he's not here to defend himself for fantasy, but we should uh, wish our fellow host the very best with the arrival, safe arrival of the young one in the coming days or week. Um, very much looking forward to it. The Absolutely. dad, yeah. the old fella, is. Uh, it's very exciting. Very first, exciting for him. First dad on the podcast. That's uh, right. Hosting, that is. We've had That's plenty exactly of dad right. guests. But, uh, yeah, exciting times for the Keen household. And uh, we do wish both you and Krista all the best. Hopefully you're uh, listening to this and potentially not in a mad panic uh, driving to the hospital. Or you could, for all we know, be listening to this after the safe arrival of the little one uh, while it's maybe a bit calmer at the the hospital there. So wishing you all the best, mate. But uh, I'll pass it back to you, Hod, for your classic sign-off. Well, yeah, there's not going to be much of a sign-off today. But what what we will probably expect from Keeney is some sleepless nights. So he probably will be up watching the NFL on every hour on a Monday morning. So... All the best, mate, and that is week one done and dusted. Podcast over and out.